When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Jesse, coming to you live on an off day for the Colorado Avalanche. We figured it would be a, a fun off day to to take a look at the Colorado Avalanche, the modern version of them, play a certain style of hockey, right? And it would be interesting to see which abs of the past might fit in well with that style. Now, of course, you can't just cheat and say, oh, Joe Sackett and Peter Forsberg, because, of course, they would fit well on any team in history. Yeah. Guess so, what? Style doesn't matter to Hall of Fame players <laughs> like that. <laughs> so none of the all-time abs are anything like that. But we're going to talk about a handful of ideas for abs that we think might fit well or might not fit so well. Uh, Can I ask you guys a question before we get into this since I wasn't on the post-game show last night? Yeah, of course. You, you, you may have answered this. Like, to me, it, it's it's an easy yes that Jerry Bednar is the best coach in franchise history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, like, I've just still seen some conversation out there. People – I saw I saw this one that made me laugh. He was like, he needs to get to uh, the Western Conference final one more time. And then, and then there was like one other criteria, like a couple more presidents' trophies, and then I'd a couple more division titles. A couple more division titles, yeah. And I was sitting there. Like, I also saw that crazy ass comment, and I was just like, okay, but who are you comparing him to? Like, yeah, I have, I have nothing wrong with you saying there's a criteria, but whose criteria is this that you're like looking for him to match or exceed? I think he's already the most decorated coach. In Avalanche history, but I just didn't know if there was for you guys anybody that came close. Like, to me, there's a knee jerk to say Bob Hartley, but I feel like that's partially just because, like, I was young and that was, you know, that was that like golden era team. But he got um, fired the year after yeah, they won the cup. So I, I don't think it's close. The only argument you could make is like if you're giving Joe Quinville credit for the stuff he did after he left Colorado. Right, right, right. But in Colorado, it's not close. Jared Bednar is the best coach in the team's history. Yeah, and, like, I guess a couple divisions – like, he's only won two division titles. Right? And this is his cool. seventh year. Yeah, this, this is his is seventh year. Yeah. So this is his seventh year. He's only won two division titles. Um, with this year's obviously uh, to, to be determined. Um, but at the moment, feels like – unlikely <laughs> um but we'll you know we'll see uh but at the same time he has obviously the bottomed out year and then the next year's team just like really the next two years of teams were just okay mm-hmm. um like those were eight seeds they didn't win division titles uh i think they would have won the division title the following year i think because they were only two points back yeah, in St. In Louis. Full season. Yeah. Uh, they had games in hand, and they were playing great hockey. And then, obviously, they won the President's Trophy. Then they won last year's uh, division title. 
and this year they're third. But yeah, like they, the COVID shortened year, like is is where you're like they might have gotten robbed of one there. But I, I think that would be the only thing that you could. Oh, the two out of two out of six years he's won a division title. Right. Okay. And at this point, it's actually kind of funny when it's like, well, if they win in that COVID year, you're literally talking about half of his time yeah. as the division champ. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, that 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 comment in particular more just kind of made me laugh because again, I, I I didn't even necessarily have an issue with the criteria, but I was like, yeah. there's nobody that fits the criteria that you're saying yeah, is required to be considered the best coach in franchise history. Maybe more accurate criteria for a Hall of Fame bid. Right, right, but. right. Um, yeah, it was like, well, okay, so if those things get accomplished, who does he pass? Right, right. Who who are those accomplishments unseating that yeah. currently kind of owns that title? And, and again, why I, does he need those to pass them? Right. Um, and so I was just wondering if you guys had anybody that is like, yeah, you know, I think he's the best, but this, you know, this guy, whatever. To your point, Rudo, really the only one that I can think of is Joel Quinville, if you give him credit for the three Stanley Cups yeah. that he won after he left Colorado and ignored the the, the, the giant black, black stain on his whole career. Yeah, he's now <laughs> on at least the first two of those. Yeah. Did you guys know that right now Jared Bednar has the eighth highest winning percentage ever in the postseason as a head coach? Sick. Really? Yep. It doesn't surprise me. He is three hundredths of a point ahead of Scotty Bowman. Really? Scotty's a bum confirmed. Who, who won nine Stanley Cups? <laughs> So Jared Bednar, better than Scotty Bowman, confirmed. You know what is funny about just just kind of like that in general? This Avs team, like the years that they've lost in the postseason, obviously with the exception of the first year in Nashville, like they're they're they've had good playoff records in the years that they've been eliminated. Like they've yeah. won significantly more games than they lost. And I, I know that's kind of a dumb statement because like obviously but like you get plenty of teams that go multiple rounds deep and end up like near 500 well yeah because if you if you win a seven game series and then you lose in five you exit the postseason with a losing record right 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 is where if you sweep in the first round and then lose in seven you you have a a very good winning record even though you're out and i feel like the abs have had several of those where like they they go through really good stretches and then they've you know they've lost in the second round and stuff like that but um that's not surprising that his record is yeah well and so for the record uh just he has the guys that of the guys that are ahead of him he has more games coached in the postseason at 63 he has 63 postseason yeah, games coached crazy okay crazy uh of the guys that are ahead of him in postseason win percentage Six of them have not even thirty games coached. The wow. guy who's at the top has two. So that's uh, that's cheating. They like don't even count. Yeah, and like these are all time. Like the guy that's at the top is George O'Donohue, who is two games. 
He has one win and one tie from 1922 oh, yeah. to 1920. Playoff ties. Yeah, very, very yeah. normal. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you end up with two playoff games coached? Unless you Yeah. So, like and then there's like, there's a war. Like we've got a seven and three, a seven and four, 18 and nine, 15 and seven. Like, okay. Of the, of the guys that are ahead of him who actually have more games coached, Toe Blake, who's like one of the all times, right? And uh, Glenn Sather. Mm-hmm. Sather. Mm-hmm. You know. Those are the only two that are ahead of him that have more games coached? Yeah. Wow. And it's, he's it percentage points ahead of Scotty Bowman. Isn't it, isn't it funny how like this group – that 48 point year, like how it went from, yeah, these guys only played in a couple, you know, their core, they've only got a couple playoff games under their belts. You know, they don't really have the experience and blah, 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 blah. To now suddenly like their players and coaching staff are like among the NHLs, like more veteran NHL or like playoff Mm -hmm. performers, participants. Off the top of off the top of your head, my God, John Cooper, 139 games coached in the Jesus. postseason. He's the only other guy that's even close to this. Next is Pete DeBoer at 32. There's a lot of sad playoff games coached by that guy. A lot of regular season games that were pretty sad too. <laughs> coaches a boring style. But that's kind of that's kind of where we are though. He's already put himself in that conversation. And yet he's never won Coach of the Year. Tough look. Is John Cooper? I think he won it once, got... right? Yeah. Actually, no. I, I think I, – I feel like I – that's remember... like the whole thing, right? Is it, yeah, 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 yeah. Good coaches don't actually win that award. Got yeah. It. The guys – well, the guys, the guys who coach the teams that are expected to be good every year don't ever win it because they're expected to be good every year. I, I still just it was the it was the the Calgary year when I thought Jared Bednar should have won coach of the year. Sure. It was it was the year after they surprised everyone by making it in uh on the I last day. Took it to Calgary in the first round yeah. that year. Yeah. Yeah. That, that year that the team was be honest, much better than where they finished. Didn't belong in that postseason and got very, very lucky that the West was terrible that year. I mean, because a lot of help from teams, too. <laughs> it was a 90 point team that made the eighth seed. Yeah. If you look at it, like. See, but I, I, I always happened. felt like I felt like that was a better team than how they actually played in the regular season. And that was why I wasn't at all surprised when they smoked Calgary. Their big problem that year is they couldn't win an overtime game. Oh, was that the year? Yep. Yeah. They, <laughs> they had like 14 overtime losses that 14 year. in overtime. Yeah. It was insane, yeah. Yeah. yeah Anyway, I think we've well established that as far as ex-Avs, there is no coach that could replace Jared Bednar. But the reason that we got talking about this, I mean, this ended up being a good place to start, is because last night we were talking about how the Avs play the game, and we were watching the intermission, and I turned to Ruto and I said, could you imagine if John Michael Lyles had gotten to play under Jared Bednar instead of Joe Sacco? Different worlds. Like, 
how much how much better would that guy have been? How much different do we think about his career if he plays the role that Sam Gerrard should be playing right now? And he's, you know, he's throwing up 50-point seasons. Well, it, it's it's funny because, like, when Tyson Berry started knocking down some of the JML records, and now, obviously, Kale McCarr is blowing by all of them, it, yeah. it was funny because it was, like, a significant thing. And it really, it almost, and I think this is maybe kind of the point you're making, like, it kind of makes you appreciate John Michael Lyles a little bit more and how, like, really ahead of his time he was that, like, he was this puck-moving, offensive-minded defenseman who had a decent NHL career, but, like, just the, that that type of production, I feel like, wasn't – like, that was not as commonplace as it is now. Relatively commonplace. Certainly for someone undersized as well. Um, like, forget even Jared Bednar. Just John Michael Lyles playing in this era, I feel like, would have been – yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of what spurred this discussion today. Was let we let's like think about different abs who from previous eras because t- we're talking about John Michael Wiles. Well, what if Sadis Ozelinch played for this team? What if Sadis Ozelinch got to play for a team that was like, all right, you maniac, we're not asking you to do something that you're not going to want to do. Go attack like crazy all the time. And had the forwards with him, and not that he didn't play with pretty good forwards in his time in Colorado, <laughs> but I mean, my goodness, I, I feel like set up so much for speed and going in that direction around yeah. the guy because that, like, Ozo doesn't have to change anything about his game to get Bednar's system right. Like that dude's like, oh, you want the defenseman to jump up every single opportunity? Awesome, I already yeah. do that. <laughs> Yeah, the abs the abs came very close to giving up a breakaway to Alex Ovechkin last night because Devon Taves jumped into the offensive zone and Curtis McDermott was like, I don't know what to do now. Bro, we were dying. So right before that, JJ uh Jerez and I pointed out we were like, Whoa, Devon Taves, Curtis McDermott pairing. Holy shit. Taves pinches, McDermott. You, you, we saw Ovechkin go, and you saw McDermott look at him like, uh-oh. <laughs> sure enough, and, and, and it had the puck just not gotten away from Ovi. That was like a clean breakaway. Georgiev covers that puck, and I looked at JJ and went, that went about exactly as you expected it to. Like, <laughs> almost Alex Ovechkin, the greatest goal scorer in the history of hockey, almost gets a breakaway four seconds after we noticed it was McDermott and Taves out there. And just mishandled the puck. Otherwise, that was going to be a disaster. Yeah, that uh, that shift made the uh, made the post game piece because I was like, "Come on, dude, we were we were dying laughing." <laughs> I I am curious, and this is more about Bednar and the Avs specifically. How much impact? How much effect did Tyson Berry have on on shaping this idea of the Avs defense? Because we saw over the years. Not just Bednar, but coaches like Wah had to learn. You kind of just got to let Tyson Berry go. You kind of just got to let him do his thing to get the most out of him. Well, and you remember year one of Jared Bednar with Tyson Berry was a struggle. Yeah, because Bednar was trying to rein him in. Yeah, he was trying to get him to be a two-way guy. He was trying to get him this and that. And I remember talking to Tyson that year, 
And there being a lot of conversations where he's like, look, I'm, they're talking to me about my, my, my D zone play. And they're really trying to get me this and that. And then the next year they came in with a different approach and they just were like, Tyson, just be you, just be you. And I've always wondered how much the experience um, with Bednar that he had with Zach Wierenski coaching the Lake Erie Monsters to the Calder Cup played into that, where he was like, hey, I've got a really talented offensive guy here. Now, Wierenski's a really different style of offensive defenseman than Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry likes to jump in and activate a lot more, and Wierenski is a lot more of your classic like high IQ playmaker vision and uh you know, operate from high in the zone and and not be such a such a uh, a, a force in transition like like Barry has been. Um, so a little different styles, but I always wondered how much of an impact that development had. Where he was just like, I tried to rein this guy in; it didn't work very well. I should just trust him to be him, like I did with Wierenski, and just see how it goes. Uh, and it, you saw it. You know, you saw the difference with Tyson Berry from the 48-point team to the next year where Berry was very, very good um, over the rest of his Colorado tenure in part because the Avs just were like, just be you. And when he left, you know, I think Chad has mentioned it, when he left. Yeah, it was a disaster in Toronto. You saw, yeah, you saw in Toronto, they tried to, they tried to put the shackles on him. So well, it was it was funny because like even kind of going a step further in terms of like how did did having Tyson Berry kind of shape the way the Avs play. I think your the call out about having Zach Wierenski at the American League level is huge. I, I never even really thought about that, but I think it was that first year after the forty eight point season. Where Tyson Berry has a huge year, and the Avs' offense really—I I feel like that was the first time you saw it kind of run through the defenseman like that, where they they let Tyson Berry be the driver on a lot of their offense. And, and again, like it's hard to say exactly how much Jared Bednar said that's what we want to do. But like I remember growing up, AJ, I'm sure you remember this. Like when when you were little, all the best players in the league played defense. Because it was yeah. a way for coaches to get them more ice time. And you wanted your best player coming out, you know, of, of the zone late, being the one that was carrying the puck, controlling the zone, uh, you know, when you were set up, kind of quarterbacking everything. And I, I really kind of feel like that first year after the 48-point year was kind of the first time that there was that, like, light bulb where it was like, oh, you mean if we have good enough players back there, we can do that at the NHL level too? Like, we can – run some of our most dangerous offensive plays from the blue line. And that just has kind of now molded into like the identity of the Avs offense is low to high and, and you run your offense through your defense. And it's about moving pucks up the ice quickly and being able to have defensemen who can transition up the ice, go from defense to offense. And um, I do think that Tyson Berry does have like a little bit more of like an underrated like almost kind of like lore in, in avalanche, like system history. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think when you look at that year, that, that year that they made the postseason and lost to Nashville, you can see the makings of what they would want to become mm-hmm. because you have Tyson Berry, you have Eric Johnson, they still have, uh, you have, you have Mark Barbario, you have Sam Gerrard, 
you have Nikita Zadorov as your kind of like he's a smoother skater than you would expect, given that he's there for size, physicality, all that. Where you know ultimately, like they would go and get Josh Manson, who would kind of slide into that archetype and produce at a better rate than you would have ever really expected, given that guy's history. And the rest of that, you know, you kind of see, yeah, okay, they want more mobile blue lines. They, you know, because a guy like Mark Barbario, not a great in-zone defender. Most of those guys on that list, you know, Gerard, when he first got to the league, was a better in-zone defender than offensive defenseman. Yeah. Uh, but it was also, he was also playing really, really, really safe. <laughs> you could argue that the Avs would probably like for him to maybe go back to that. Um, but whatever, I don't want to, I want to get into that today, but you could see like the makings of what they would want. And you would see, you know, the, the, like the ultimate misfit that kind of dropped out of nowhere, um, that, that ended up fitting with them really nicely was Ryan Graves. And it was because he was a high IQ player who just made really good, aggressive decisions and I think that pushed them even further into the, we want guys who can do these things. Mm-hmm. And when they had the failures with Patrick Nemeth, you know, with those limitations, with the big minutes things. that they yeah. gave him, I think that was when they were like, okay, we can't, we cannot have these kinds of guys anymore. Like well, this guy, like we can, we can have a Jack Johnson, Patrick Nemeth, uh, an Andreas England, you know, we can have these really limited types of guys. But, the, but I mean, I think we can George have Manson. one of them and we can surround yeah. them with a certain ecosystem. I think Josh Manson is the perfect example because the Avs defensive system is basically they're like, look, we're going to give you carte blanche to do whatever you want until you prove to us that you can't do that. Yeah. So it really is interesting to see a player like Josh Manchin come in and activate that offensive side of his game and, and it work for Colorado where it hadn't worked as well for places like Anaheim. Well, so. Manson remains an interesting kind of uh, litmus test for other defensive defensemen because you see with the guy like Jack Johnson or this year, pick one, uh, those guys don't even try it. Yeah. They don't. They either don't read the game like that. They don't have any interest in it. They have. They. They know like this is only going to lead to mistakes. Andreas, Andreas England activated once last night, once, and it turned into an odd man rush. Yep. That Sam Gerard bailed him out of. By the way, <laughs> Ryan Graves made a bunch of really good, smart decisions all the way up until Game Five of overtime, and then that that aggressive decision making. I'll never forget the second shot off the shin pads. I was like, you're kidding. The first one, you're like, all right, cool. Survived it. The second one was like like a <laughs> slow motion horror film. It was because like the puck came right back to him. It was like, wow, the, the universe bailed you out of that one, that the block shot went right back to your teeth. He did it again. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> On that so, note- it sucks that that's like a defining yeah, play. He, like, was, he was so good here. Yeah. It really does suck. Uh, We are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you go over there and use code DNVR right now, you can bet on any NBA game with a new account, bet $5, and you get $200 in free bets instantly. Don't even have to get the bet correct. 
DraftKings is just giving you $200 in free bets, which you can jump on and then go bet on whatever you want, whether it be same game parlays where you can boost your odds super easily or regular old bets on absolutely crazy sports like uh, like Hialai or something. Uh, you can really get into some interesting stuff with DraftKings if you have a little bit of fun with it. I, uh, I, I haven't done anything too crazy lately, but it's a new year. There's a... Uh, chess championships going on right now magnus carlson is playing terribly by the way so maybe don't bet on magnus this year but lots of options when it comes to DraftKings sportsbook be sure to use that dnvr code when you sign up you must be 21 or older colorado only other terms restrictions and conditions apply you can see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details or the show notes down below and of course if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 also, brought to you by the amazing people over at Illegal Pete's. We have one just a couple of blocks down. Uh, look, don't get us wrong. We all love the bar food. We're all about it. We love eating at our own bar. But when you go to the bar as often as we do, sometimes the food gets a little bit old after like months and months and months. So it's really nice to have Illegal Pete's just down the block where we can go order ourselves a delicious burrito uh, and get ourselves some amazing good Food. They have fresh food. They have diets set up for any dietary restrictions you might have, whether it's uh, gluten-free or vegan, vegetarian, whatever. They've got fresh ingredients to make it work for you. They, of course, also have happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. every single day. You can do a little pregame at Illegal Pete's before you come down to the bar. There are 11 different locations now, I believe, between Colorado and Arizona. So lots of options. You can find one near you. Check out Illegal Pete's for their delicious burritos. Uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. The Avs had two pretty clear, I think, fits with their current mode in defense in Ozilinch and Lyles in their history. Yeah. Are there as clear choices on the forward side? I feel like there's so many good ones. <clears throat> I mean, if I if I run through the list of, I, I, I mean, guys that were here not that long ago between... Obviously, this is just from a hockey perspective. You're going to so, say what I'm thinking. But between Matt Duchesne, Ryan O'Reilly, and Paul Stasny, do you have a bad choice there? If you're talking about looking for a 2C, is there a bad choice there? Uh, what age version of Paul Stasny are you getting? <laughs> is Colorado tenure. Okay. I'll just say, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming all of these players, since we're going to be dealing with some people that are like long since retired, I'm assuming we're talking all players in their prime right like the just, prime that's what i've been guys. playing off of I, i've been mostly thinking they're what they were like when they were at when they were abs so like i'm not thinking about paul korea or timo uh, salani or yari paul curry korea was, paul korea was one of mine where i was like Pfft. we also we also said nobody in the hall of fame or nobody who has a retired jersey oh oh oh, oh, oh okay, okay 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 so why we didn't actually say that on as a distinction at the start of this pod it was in our conversation last yeah. night to avoid the yeah, obvious, yeah. like, well, sure would be nice to have Patrick Wan there right now. So uh I'm I'm doing this about and saying the let's let's go with the, the parameters of uh no retired no retired numbers, no Hall of Fame players, and uh basing this off of what they were like in their avalanche As tenure. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, Dale Hunter and Yari Curry were abs, and you're like, well, they could have been. You know, Yari Curry is one of the best right wings of all time. 
See, yeah, so that, like Theo Fleury. That actually brings um, like someone just put it in there, but like Merrick Spatos or like yeah, I was gonna say Wojtek Bolski or guys that again, if you're going based on what they were like when they were abs, yeah. Career did not go well after the ass. Fados before his knee blew up would be a perfect mm-hmm. fit for this team. I that mean, Patrick against Calgary is one of my like. It's one of those just like weird hockey memories that will always stick in my head. I mean, from the '96 team alone, you could have a conversation about Adam Deadmarsh, Claude Lemieux, and Val Kaminsky. Mm-hmm. Also, um, like everyone's favorite, like Lore Daddy, like Chris Drury. Yeah, I thought yeah. of Chris Jury. Like you're talking about him, you need a 2C that's going to come up big in moments and can really, like, you want to put Colorado Chris Drury in between <laughs> in between Gabe Landeskog and Val Nachushkin? Yeah, let's say we all talk about how, like, JT Comfort is like a, a poor man's Chris Drury. Yeah. You could just have Chris Drury in this. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, the you get like three different that, versions of Alex Tangay. <laughs> Alex Alex Tangay is another big one. Is where it's like he would Alex Tangay would be amazing on this team. Jerome McGinley, that first year, Jerome McGinley, I actually don't feel like is that. I mean, that dude's going to Hall of Fame, so <laughs> yeah, not there yet though. He's not there yet. He works. He fits. Yeah, I mean, that's an obvious like. This is coming. The one guy, the one guy that I really, really was like dying to sneak into this conversation. How do we feel about Semyon Barlamov? Uh, so it's hard. No I offense actually, to Georgiev, obviously. I was. What's hard is I actually really like this year's tandem. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't. Yeah. I don't have an issue. <laughs> With this year's duo, it's a top three tandem right now. I I don't right. I oh. don't think I could do it right for for two reasons. One, 13, 14, when he played out of his mind, he kind of fell apart in that playoff series. He was exhausted. Do you want to fucking fight right now? I'm gonna <laughs> he, drive he, to your house. And and he two, literally, he had carried that team through sure. every single he win they had earned did. that season. I'm not. And do you that. remember that postseason series when he got shelled True. for six games and then finally came to the and end? Cracked. It's like it's like blaming Darcy Kemper when the yeah. ads dropped the Brazils on him. It's not my he bigger ar- my bigger argument is the rest of his tenure in Colorado is you have to schedule that guy missing 25 to 30 games a year. The injuries were always overblown. He played 50 games a year reliably. I just didn't trust him. And and I agree with Jesse. I don't think I would mess with this year's tandem either. Um, this is why I thought it would be an interesting conversation, though, because I've always felt like Varley was a little underrated by Avalanche fans, just, just a touch. I, see, I... I, I... He had he had some real down years. Like there were a couple of years where he was not very good. I just I, I feel like maybe maybe a touch underrated, but I think very underappreciated because the years that he was good, like he was very good in years where the team was bad, and so I just don't think people fully. It's I, I think people forget how, how bad the Evs defense was at that. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Their yeah. defense was maybe that's a better terrible. way of putting it. 
Um, and Megan mentioned in the chat, I think Peter Mueller would be an awesome fit. Uh, you could set him up on a power play unit and just let him unleash one timers. So hold on, you're gonna you're gonna say that you're wash wish washing on Varley because you had to schedule him for missing 25 games a year. Yet you're oh yeah, no, I, I I totally get that I'm cheating, and Peter Mueller's injury career totally derails that theory. But <laughs> ooh, uh, Tomas Fleischman, that's a yeah, great that's answer. a fun one. I don't even know if it's a great answer for this team. Can't play, great. That's a fun can't game. play in altitude because of his blood clotting yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, for current players, I would say Matt Nieto. Why? Yeah, I was going to say, I, they want what does he do? He, he's just a perfect <laughs> fit organizationally for the way the Avs depth plays. Like, you have well, another little crazy buzzing B down in your bottom six. It's all just Logan O'Connor 2.0. If you needed a 13th forward in the postseason, I'm cool with that, man. Eh, I, I think it could be an 11th or 12th. I wouldn't 13th. play. I wouldn't play him over Ben Myers in a healthy I lineup. I, I would. I would play him over Ben Myers. Well, he's not a. Well, he's not a center. So that's true. That's mainly it. I would play both Cogliano and O'Connor over Nieto, and then I would pick a center to be my center. That's well, that's all that is. <laughs> Not a bad, not a bad philosophy. <laughs> but the guy who actually plays this position there. Yeah. So all the all the wings that are getting brought up, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, if I were to drop them into Colorado's current lineup, like where am I putting Ryan Smith in the current? Oh, because I, I would love never, the guy. The, the Colorado version of Ryan Smith drove me crazy. You mean the I'm going to skate down the left wing, get and a foot inside the blue line, and fire a slap chest. shot? Yeah, yeah. Could not. Right into I, the goalie's chest or have it rim around the boards? Insane. Yeah. It would be insane. It clearly, it was not isolated to just you because I specifically remember that shit. Hard out on Ryan Smith coming back. <laughs> uh, what about, what about, about Redeem, Redeem Verbata? Yeah, he's called. I mean, if we were judging this on his Colorado tenure, um, he didn't really get a chance to get off the ground, and obviously he played a thousand games after that, so he had a pretty good career. That dude had one of the weirdest careers <laughs> ever. Like he was good. Like he was he was a pretty reliable producer, but he like he bounced around quite a bit. He was never really like a top top guy anywhere, but like you said, a thousand games, yeah. almost three hundred goals. One of those weird guys that like flourished in Arizona. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah his his <laughs> career high for a season was thirty five goals in Arizona in eleven twelve. The year they went to the Western Conference Final. Colorado, Carolina, Chicago, Arizona, Tampa, Arizona, Vancouver, Arizona, Florida. He kept trying to go back, and they were like, dude, we don't want you anymore. Yeah, yeah he just kept, like, the year before he went, the, his last stint in Arizona was 16-17. season before that, he was in Vancouver, 13 goals. He went back to Arizona, had a 20-goal year the next year. I know, man. So, fuck? yeah, see, Hayduk, obviously, Hayduk would be great on any team. He's not allowed. Yeah, he's a retired number. Yeah, a 50-goal 50, a 50 score would obviously be like, oh. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, I do think, is the other. Like, and you brought him up 
first. Sure. Like of those three, I do think he's the best fit. Well, and guess what he's doing at the deadline this year? Packing his shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex Tenge, I do think is a big one that we breezed over maybe a little I, too quickly. So, so Tenge, if look if if the abs if the abs roster this year is healthy. Where is he playing? I don't know what that means. Oh, um, are you taking Are you taking Artari Lekkinen away from Nathan McKinnon and putting Lekkinen on your third I line? Think, I no, mean, I'm I probably think putting put him Tange in on the third line. If you put Tange next to Alex Newhook, like, are you not just yucking all the way to the bank? Like, yeah, you get two guys that are going to overpass until they lose the shot attempt. Alex Newhook's not hey. overpassing anymore. Do you go? Do it's you go been Tange? A week, brother. <laughs> do you go Tange with? Nate and Val. And then you go Landy, Miko, Lekkonen. So, so you don't have a true center on that second line. I the thing is, are yeah, you getting are you getting the version of Miko who's shooting the puck? Because if you're getting the shooty Miko, you can put Tangay with him. You're getting yeah, team. which is pretty shooty this year for the most yeah, part. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. You can play Tangay with that. I just think I just think having someone like Tange to distribute to a to a player like Nate would. He's a really good playmaker. I just I just wonder like do they like is that because like I'm thinking about like Claude Lemieux and I'm like do they do they need another like power guy? Yeah, I don't think so. But also, again, if you put Claude Lemieux next to Nathan McKinnon and. Or, and I don't know, Gabe, let's just say Gabe Landeskog. And then Arturi Lackadon drops down into your lineup, uh, say on your third line next to Alex Newhook. Like, mm. you have you have a better lineup. Like, All right. Had, uh, two things. One, you may have noticed there isn't a single person who has said Cody McLeod. Dude. Well... And, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I get that Cody McLeod is, is, is very Where did that well. Even... I, I, because Cody McLeod is very well loved in Avalanche circles, right? Like, there's a lot of fans who really like that guy. Uh, can I just say I think he's kind of forgotten about at this point because the team is good again? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess after they won the cup, they don't really talk he was, about He was the anymore. hero of the shitty generation, and now everyone's like, oh, yeah, that dude that always got his ass kicked in fights. I remember him, yeah. It, it, I... I again, awesome dude. Did what the Avs needed him to do in a bad time. I think he might be one of the most overrated Avs players ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other guy I wanted to bring up, Brandon Sod. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just don't know if I'm bumping anybody for that version of Brandon Sod at, on a fully healthy roster. Dude who scored over half a point per game. Yeah, it was good. It was fine. But I'm like, do I want Brandon Sod or do I want 1997 Adam Denmarsh? I mean, no, I I get it. There are probably better options in history, but I'm just throwing out. That's Stefan Yell is the one I've been waiting to see. I've been waiting for somebody because that guy, people love that guy, and is like has been like the. Can we get the next Stefan Yell? 
for like forever. <laughs> you drop that guy. I would play that guy over Ben Myers uh, between Cogliano and OOC. Yes, please. Stefan yelling between those cats. Oh. Second really weird stint here. Yeah, that lasted like 10 seconds. Like they traded right. for him at the deadline and then he was like, yeah, I'm good. I just remember thinking that it was so weird to see him in the Unipron jersey. <clears throat> um, <laughs> what? Yeah, like people were talking about Theo Fleury and like you have to imagine Theo Fleury playing this kind of up-tempo hockey. Yeah, he'd be a beast, you would think. Yeah. But uh, we are brought to you by Game Time. If you want to go watch the current Avalanche play hockey games, you can use Game Time right now. It's a link down in the description of this video. You can go Click on, get in on it, and uh, go to games. It doesn't even have to be Avs games. It could be any team, any sport, anywhere in the country. They got you covered. You can get in and get your tickets for up to 60% off original prices. And you get great seats all the way around. They'll show you where you're going to sit. They'll get you all set up. Join 15 million people who have used the Game Time app and help us out by using that link down in the description. Also brought to you by Bacchus and Shanker. If you uh, if you have been injured, like many 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 Avalanche players this year, uh, I think they've been wearing that two number out on their phones. All right, at this point, they've been dialing Bacchus and Shanker a lot at two 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 two. Whether it's a, a car accident, motorcycle, if you're in a ride share, or even if you got injured at work, Bacchus and Shanker can help you out. You can call them for a consultation today that costs you absolutely nothing to see if you have a case. And if even if they take on your case, you still pay nothing until you win the case. So there's literally no downside for you to call Bacchus and Shanker today. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients over the last 25 years. They've been doing it here in Colorado forever. So as we say, just press two for a while. Get connected with Bacchus and Shanker. Amazing at what they do. And get yourself what you deserve from your injury. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Going through this Sunday, we got a sale going on. You can get this shirt I'm wearing right here, the Colorado Champs shirt for 50% off. A bunch of other shirts as well. The Landy Cup shirts, 50% off. We have a bunch that are 25% off as well. Be sure you go check out the DNVR locker to get your savings on a bunch of these shirts. You got to get them while you can here. We got to clear out all of these shirts so we can bring you guys new shirts. Uh, we, we started talking about it a little bit. We got some we got some ideas for some new shirts. So keep your eyes peeled. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Colorado Avalanche are I always find it an interesting organization because on the one hand, especially when you include the time in Quebec, they do have a pretty long history, but it feels like nothing compared to some of the teams in the NHL when you're talking about original six teams and things like that. I think what's crazy about the the history of the organization is that it is so dominated by forwards. Yep. Like, name the five best defensemen in franchise history. Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, and Kale McCarr. Uh, that was a Dylon reference. If anybody picked up on that, Dylon, nobody, Bueller. It gets hard after you get to like certainly the fifth one. You have McCarr, Adam Foot. I would have given anything had you relisted Kale McCarr's name five <laughs> times again. Yeah, McCarr again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 
Adam Foote, obviously, probably Rob Blake is on that list. He was here long enough. Depending on how you feel about Ray Bork. Well, I guess it depends on what your criteria is. Because, like, I don't think there's any doubt that, like, Ray Bork's sure among the best. of. But it's kind of like the Joel Quinville conversation. Right, like, yeah. Does he get credit? And then the that. fifth one might be, like, Eric Johnson? <laughs> That's kind of my problem is that like even if and and obviously I am not well versed in Quebec Nordiques history. Right. I yeah, I I wouldn't know, especially the early years there. Yeah. I just I don't know enough about it. Um and you know, I don't I don't know anything about some of those guys that that played back then. Well, and then I guess I, I it's also kind of hard because like how do you weigh different value like how does Tyson Berry and John Michael Lyles fit into just that conversation in general? I'm not saying that necessarily either of those guys are yeah. not five, but like well, their names are all over the record books, very, you know, very near the top. It's it's kind of the same conversation of like, how do you weigh those guys against like a Carlos Scrastich, right? Who was mm-hmm. a great defensive defenseman in his time in Colorado uh, and an Ironman. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, how do you, you know, what about, what about a guy like, uh, you know, Alexei Gusarov who played for the franchise for 10 years, you know, and again, a very good defensive defenseman, you know, so there's different values there, but that's, that's where, when, when you look back at the history of the organization, it is interesting to look and say, It's so forward heavy that right. you know there aren't uh, where that does, many all time D. Yeah. Well, and like where does Eric Johnson fit into that conversation? Well, it it's just such a huge gap, right? It, again, Makar certainly looks like he's on a Hall of Fame path. Rob Blake is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, Rob Rob like four years of Rob Blake. Right. Right. Ray Bork, if you're counting him, is a Hall of Famer if you're taking that stance on Ray Bork. And then even even the gap from those three to Adam Foot is like huge, yeah. And then you have Adam Foot kind of on his own as the the staple defenseman of the Avalanche in his history, and then it's mm-hmm. another huge gap to the next guy. Yeah, well, I was gonna say it's just it it is just interesting, just the way that you choose to weigh this because again, like now looking at it, like Tyson Berry and John Michael Owls are one and two in terms of all time points by a defenseman. Then there's a good amount of space, and it's Eric Johnson. Then Kale McCarr is right fucking behind him. Uh, and, and then it's, I mean, a good, what, almost 30 points before you get to Adam Foote, who's almost double the amount of games of Tyson Berry. And so it's just like, how do you... Yeah, you're, you're comparing defensive ability with offensive ability. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to you're you're just valuing the you know who's a better no, overall no. player and where no, how do you that, but what do you do? What with I'm saying all that? like right, it's, how, it's hard. Where does where where how much credit does Tyson knowing how much his defensive shortcomings were a thing during his time in Denver? Like that's just the part that's interesting about this, and I think the point you're making, AJ, is it's a little bit more clear cut. On the forward side. Well, on the forward side, it's like a who's who of Hall of Famers or really, right. really, really good. But like, 
You have the entire Stasny family lineage in the organization. Guys who scored a jillion points. Right. You know, I mean, you 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 have Michelle Michelle Goulet just hanging around with with his almost a thousand career points in your organization. So right. you know, like there's you look at you look at the top ten of the organization in points, okay? But you know what? Let's go top fifteen, okay? I'm just gonna read off fifteen names, and you're gonna laugh to realize how much talent has come through this organization and its existence. All right. Is this Colorado and Quebec? Yes. Okay, because I've got this Colorado pulled up, and it's already ridiculous. It's it's Joe Sackick, Peter Stasny, Michelle Goulet, Milan Hadou, Peter Forsberg, Nathan McKinnon, Anton Stasny, Gabe Landeskog, Alex Tangay, Miko Rantanen, Dale Hunter, Paul Stasny, Matt Duchesne, uh, Valerie Kamensky, and Matt Sundin. Pretty good. Okay. All forwards, by the way. That's five guys that are in the Hall of Fame. A couple guys on their way to the Hall of Fame. (laughs) In Sackick, Peter Stasny, Michelle Goulet, Peter Forsberg, and Matt Sundin. Uh, At least one guy in Nathan McKinnon that I'm pretty confident gets there. Probably two, man. A second guy in Miko Rantanen that sure looks like he could be headed there, too. Do you think Gabe Landeskog has an outside chance at a Hall of Fame? Outside, yes. Um, but we've we've talked about this on days where uh, uh, where you were doing your day job and not on the pod with us. Uh, but we've it's like, look, they would have to win two more cups. I was going to say he needs he's, more if cups. he's the captain and he's like continued to be a high level player on those teams, not like a Brendan Morrow third line guy or whatever automatic 20 goal guy like yeah if he if he continues to be in the 20 to 30 goal range scores 60 ish points he's in your top six he has a great postseason and he's the captain of a, of a team that wins three stanley cups in however many years you combine all of that success with the fact that he will have been a 20 year captain by the end of his career right he will have probably scored uh three or four hundred mm-hmm. goals you know, he'll Held get the title to, at one point for youngest captain ever. Well, Based and and on, uh, the NHL's own list that should be good enough to put him in the top 100 players of all time, right? That plus, there will also be that one time that he captained uh, the Swedish team in the world championships. Yeah, yeah won the gold there. An amazing accomplishment, but he was Not also, yeah. it's the Hockey Hall of Fame where they consider other accomplishments, things like the fact that he was the first European captain in CHL history. Yeah. So um, that that is where I think. The more we're listening, the more I'm talking myself into. Well, it's like you, if if those things happen, and he ends up having one of the more storied and accomplished careers in NHL history, then yeah, he and goes in Olympic silver medal as well. Would re, it would require more Stanley it, Cups to I make think it, it happen? And he has to continue to play. It definitely requires one more cup. If he gets two cups, it becomes a real interesting borderline case. If he gets three, he's in. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying get three, because then (laughs) I think it's done. Yep. Uh, The international stuff's a good call out, too, because he's got got two world championship gold. He's got an Olympic silver. Um, which hopefully he gets another chance at the Olympics. And that's that's where you wonder how much these guys in this era are getting cheated 
because out don't of the opportunities to do this stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, some of the, like McKinnon hasn't even had a chance to be triple uh, triple goal. Nope. Yep. Hasn't even gotten an opportunity. It's tough. Yeah. Um. All right. I I'm pretty good with that. Unless you guys had any other uh, players or situations you wanted to touch on. Yeah. Pick one. You from Abs history have to pick so one no guy. Nordiques. You gonna you only pick one to put on today's team with today's lineup in mind. You can only pick one player from Abs history. Off of, it could be forward, defenseman, or goaltender. Pick one. I'm I'm gonna take Alex Tangay just because. Just because. <laughs> Oof, man, that is tough, tough, tough. Uh I mean, given our criteria, he adds the most to your forward group. Sure. He's not a Hall of Famer. He doesn't have his number retired. Blah, blah, blah. I think I have to take. Ryan O'Reilly. I'm taking Chris Furry. <laughs> Honestly, I think. Those are all really fucking good answers, and you're stoked if any yeah, of that oh, happens. For sure. Well, we'll see. The Ryan O'Reilly one could happen. Probably won't, but theoretically could happen. Yeah. I there was no way I wasn't picking a center. It was gonna be Chris Drury or Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> With well, Paul Stasny kind of getting left out in the cold here. Yeah. Um yeah. He was a yeah, really, was really good two-way player for a, a lot of his, really his whole Colorado tenure. But I love Chris Drury, and he's right-handed. And it would be it, fun to have Drury and Ginger Drury on the same team. Yeah. Either way, a fun little off-season show, or off-day, not off-season show. Uh, we are doing an off-day show on Friday down at the farmhouse with Breck Brew down in Littleton. If you're local, come on down. You can watch us do the pod live. We have all the DNVR crew hanging out. When you come down to the farmhouse, you let them know DNVR brought you. They'll give you 10% off your tab. So come have some fun with us on Friday down at the farmhouse. Should be a blast. Uh, should be a fun time. Uh, other than that, yeah, you guys already said it. Like, subscribe, help us out here. If you listen to us on the podcast version, I know some days you can't watch live on YouTube. You want to do it while you're driving into work or something. We do have a podcast on all your local podcast hosts. If you want to give us five stars reviews on the podcast of your choosing, that would help us out a lot. Uh, we appreciate all y'all, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you for the game tomorrow.